had suppressed those memories so much that I didn't even remember that I believe that that's what triggered the epilepsy. Like I suppressed the memories and emotions from that and then it built up to having seizures. So Hey everybody, I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of Soul Inspired. Today, I'm really happy to have a fellow singer-songwriter with me. Her name is Bronwyn, and she's coming to us from, she's in Mexico right now. Uh, but first of all, thanks so much for joining me on this episode, Bronwyn. Thanks for having me. And that's your first name, right? Bronwyn? That's yes. what you go by mostly? Yes. Is that? Yeah, how- I did use my surname, but then people would look at it and think that my surname was my first name. And it was just a whole thing. And people don't know how to say my surname either. So it's like right. one complicated name is enough. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I was really happy when I got your message about coming on. I, I reached out um, a few months ago and my this this uh, this podcast really is around inspiring individuals, inspiring other people. And I have a strong spiritual connection and we can get talking about that. This is going to be a, a really interesting conversation. But um, a lot of the episodes on this podcast go in the direction of near-death experiences. People who passed away, come back, had, you know, traumatic events and had to kind of overcome them, things like that. So uh, it's a little bit different when we talk to another, you know, musician because that's what I've been my whole life. So I'm excited to kind of hear your story. And one of the first things I usually just jump in right away and ask is let's, let's look at the music side of things first. Mm -hmm. And if there was an event or something that happened in your life that started on this path or did it happen early on or what, what really started your journey in the music? uh, Yeah. So I'd say there were probably two. Um, When I was four, my parents signed me up for Saturday morning music classes Um, I did like two years of recorder and then a year of trumpet and three years of flute. I just kept like trying different instruments and I picked them all up pretty easily, the woodwind ones at least. Um, So that got me started on music in general. And then when I was 10, um, we had year six camp at school and we had to do something for the talent show. And when my friend said we should sing a Hilary Duff song and I had like no clue about any sort of pop music or anything like that. My parents listened to like classic hits radio, so like 80s, 90s sort of music. Um, And I didn't even really pay attention to that. but we learned this song and the night that we performed it, uh, I just I just knew that I wanted to be a singer after that. Mm. I'd nice. Be <laughs> so you were, how old would you have been around there? Uh, about 10. 10. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting because I got, I mean, I started in music. I was probably around eight because I got into a music school. Um, but I really didn't dig in and get my first guitar until about 10 or 11. It was about 11 years old. So that's, that seems like an age that you start to really kind of self-discover the things that you want to do a little bit more, even though it's very young, you start to kind of pick up on certain things about your own way. Right. So you were naturally drawn to it just by experiencing it a little bit. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably looked more like I was lip syncing than singing because I yeah. was very quiet. Um, right. But yeah, I just knew my parents were like, no, like, you're not even loud enough. You know, you can't make a career from music. And I was like, no, I'm singing. That's that's what I'm going to do. Wow. So you got right in and you were taking then lessons um, yeah. throughout at the time just to kind of get better at your art. 
yeah and I started picking up the guitar so that I could accompany myself it's still not the greatest at guitar um I wish I could pick it up as easily as I picked up the flute and all those other instruments but I can play it well enough to you know get out there and gig and things like that so yeah and that's that's a huge thing I mean I run a music school and I've been coaching now for over 10 years and the biggest thing that I try to tell my students that are taking guitar and singing um is it's great to be a great guitarist. And I mean, I've, I was, you know, fortunate enough to learn from um, a really great guitarist when I was young and I kind of self-developed on my own and I got better at guitar, but I always noticed that I wanted to keep getting better at singing. And uh, I was, I was always a pretty decent singer, but I hear some of the stuff I did when I was a teenager and I, I cringe. It's pretty bad. And I think yeah, I think a lot of us kind of can go back and listen. I was more into the, uh, the, I guess you'd call it, it was during like the days of like listening to Nirvana and like I, I, grunge rock kind of stuff. So I thought I had this like heavy rock vibe. And then as I got older, I realized, no, I'm more of a soul singer. Um, yeah, so it's more like I, the only category I can put it in is singer songwriter because I've mm -hmm. I've done country things, but the thing is I'm not country, and anybody that hears me says you're not country, but you, it's really hard to define my genre, and I, I think mm -hmm. a lot of musicians run into that. So yeah. yeah, so what what's your genre like? What is your specific type of music that you say that you create now? Yeah, I usually say country pop. Um, the new music that I'm working on, it does kind of still fit into that but it's yeah more like indie singer songwriter um right. vibes from what my previous music was yeah. when did you do you do you write your own music then as well yes and yes. when did you when did you start writing music i think like ever so slowly i started about the same time i started singing maybe it was a logical like i want to sing so i want to write my own music or maybe it just happened naturally around the same time i'm not sure right um but yeah so, so when you were really so when you were quite young, you were writing already. Yeah. It's yeah, interesting because yeah. I I at that age as well was writing. I I started writing, but the first song I ever wrote was called Alone, and I was a very deep, like soulful, serious writer even as a small mm -hmm. child. And you know, I always make jokes about it on my podcasts um, that. Sometimes I think my mom probably thought something was wrong with me because I really, I really wrote a lot of stuff. I was a very sensitive kid and still am. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, yeah, I, that would be the best way to describe it. Uh, even as a kid looking around, I remember I'd look around at other kids and wonder why they're being mean to each other and like things that mm -hmm. most kids don't think about. They just do yeah. it. <laughs> they just join in on the, on the, you know, on the fun of being mean, but I would be like, oh, why would you do that? Like, and I wasn't mm -hmm. what you'd consider a geek or anything like that. I was kind of like this, like black sheep kind of mm -hmm. watching everything, but I'd be friends with everyone, but also wanted yeah. my space. I don't know if you can relate to that at all. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? I, I mean, I think, I think a lot of musicians because we're so artsy and we are that we have that old soul in us. That's just, it comes so natural that we can't quite so. fit in the same way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And there might be other people that aren't in music that feel that way as well. But um, I definitely find it. I see it a lot. I see it a lot of my students and the people I teach. Yeah. Um, so that's great. So you've been doing music this whole time. Now, do you do this kind of on the side of other work as well? Like it's kind of like a part time thing that's always been going or are you at the moment touring or 
Yeah, at the moment, yes, it is just part-time. Like before the pandemic, I was doing it full-time uh, and then the pandemic kind of killed killed off all the cover gigs. Um, and then... We can, we can talk about that too because I... Yeah. I haven't had the um, a conversation about that, and but okay. I'd like to actually jump jump in on that in a minute. But so yeah. you're doing this part time at this point? Yes, yeah. Um, here in Mexico, I've just been doing it online. Really, I haven't even um, really been focusing on it that much either. I like I had writer's block when I came here, so I just needed a change of everything and a break. And um, now the songs are finally starting to flow again. So. Hopefully, wow. um, when I get to America, I'll be able to get back to it closer to full-time, if not full-time. I definitely feel in parallel with you here, with, with all everything you just said. And <laughs> because a lot of musicians were affected mm. by the pandemic, it was a, a strong thing. Before I ask about that again, um, you mentioned you do it mostly online. Where Where do you perform online? Um, just like uh, TikTok lives and things like that. Not that my TikTok's that great. I don't have that many followers, but um, trying to get out there more. Um, things like that. Uh, I have started a Patreon. Um, it's very slow um, trying to get that off the ground. But mm -hmm. now that I have worked through the writer's block and actually have things to share, I'm like, this, this feels like a good time to try and get that going. Um, and then uh, I teach guitar a little bit online too. Um, not quite the musical income I would like, but I'm happy with it. It's better than something else. Still music yeah. related. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's all passion, right? I mean, exactly. I can understand that. I remember pre pandemic. I mean, things were really busy with me pre pandemic and, um, and I was doing Facebook lives and those were really busy too. It's something that, mm -hmm. I usually recommend Facebook isn't going anywhere as much as people think it's going to. It's always going to be, exist. Like it's just, there's too much involved in Facebook. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't matter how long TikTok is kind of the thing right now. I, I get that. Um, I've never really dived into TikTok. I've thought about doing it just because I've never mm -hmm. experienced it. I put a little bit of stuff out there every once in a while and I had a couple songs kind of take off, but um, interesting. So you've done some lives and, so you're mostly online. You don't, do you perform in person anywhere? I've been hosting an open mic here and um, I did do a few gigs here. Um, but yeah, it's hard to because my Spanish isn't very good. Um, so there's, I mean, I'm in a tourist area so I can get away with it as far as the songs are concerned, but then like yeah. communicating with the venue and things like that, um, it, it makes it a bit complicated. So yeah, I haven't done that as much as I would have liked. And did you notice as well, because in at least in North America or Canada and things like that, when the pandemic hit and everything kind of came to a freeze mm -hmm. for everything, it wasn't just musicians, but um, we got hit hard because it was seen as, you know, we're out there singing and spreading our germs and they wanted mm -hmm. big barriers up around us. And I remember I did a few gigs that were kind of like that and I felt so uncomfortable. I was like, this is very unnatural i mean music yeah. is something that's kind of like you're involved with people and yeah but, yeah but i did what i had to do at the time but i i really didn't even notice the hit until even a year after the pandemic kind of calmed down i really saw unfortunately some local a lot of great local open mic clubs closed down because they couldn't mm. keep the costs up um everything that was kind of going on pre-pandemic just kind of 
halted everything and musicians were kind of left like, Oh wow. We're, you know, what, what do we do now? And even myself, the writer's block, like you mentioned it, it really, I had four albums written before uh, the pandemic. And then I haven't written an album since, and that speaks volumes. And it's not, I don't think it's because I can't write. I've written a lot of songs and things have come and gone, went through a lot of things in my life, but the pandemic seemed to change the landscape for musicians quite a bit. And it's taken a lot of time, I think for restaurants, bars, patios, clubs to start wanting to hire again and even Mm -hmm. maybe get into maybe a positive in their budgets to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've, I've tried to kind of come to terms with what happened um, yeah. What's your take on that? Do you, did you feel the same thing? Yeah, so I was in New Zealand still um, when the pandemic hit. And yeah, like my hometown, the, there was a few places I played, but the, a lot of them were quite small too. So they're like, you know, everyone has to cut back on how many vendors, uh, like, yeah, how many people they're allowed to let into the venue. And then it's like, oh, well, if there's only, you know, 10 people in there, it's not worth having music. Um, right. They didn't put up yeah like barriers or anything for us for the stages but um Mm. the gigs just fell away and they were reluctant to try and start them back up again um yeah yeah i saw people going online and i wanted to do that but i was already a bit burnt out at that point so like i just didn't have the energy It's, it's one thing to like get on stage and have people to interact with but just like in front of a screen it's just not the same it's hard yeah. to think that, like, I'm, I'm not half asleep and burned out <laughs> sort of thing. Right, um, right. Yeah, so I tried taking it as a proper break. Um, didn't really work um, while I was still home. I still needed – it wasn't until I got to Mexico and got to work through some other stuff that I managed to work through the burnout. But, yeah, um, I think – there are some venues that have popped up since since the pandemic, so it hasn't completely killed the music scene back home. Some are still there from before the pandemic, but a lot did close as well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I've noticed things are coming back too, which is great. Mm-hmm. And after that, you know, um, there's people that you can play weddings, you can do all these different things yeah. that musicians do, right? And so um, things come back slowly, but it's it's not like a light switch, and I've told my other musicians I coach, you know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't just come right back. You, you got to yeah. now, now we got to face the fallout of all that stoppage mm-hmm. and the things that kind of came along with it. So, um, so you mentioned burnout, were you getting burnout from playing or is this like an overall in life? Kind of life in general? I mean, playing a bit too, like I would drive, you know, three hours, play a four hour gig, drive back home sort of thing. Um, that doesn't really help the whole sleep patterns and healthy right. lifestyle thing. Um, but it was really just life in general. Like um, I was getting enough cover gigs and things, but I wasn't building my brand online. I wasn't getting like the online streams that um, I had hoped my original music would get. Um, so that was kind of defeating in itself and um, just felt like I was hitting a wall. And Here's a question for you. This is something for the musicians listening out there. I've noticed, I've noticed with, me, with a lot of artists that there's a struggle they run into, and I've never talked about this, but I'm going to bring it up. And mm-hmm. the struggle is to find their purpose often in that – because music is their, it's their main thing. It's, it's what they mm-hmm. love the most. Mm-hmm. A lot of musicians and artists find it difficult to go and find that day job. 
to do yeah. that regular job that is available that a lot of people mm -hmm. would actually appreciate and have and yeah. um, get involved with. And so do you, what have you done to overcome that? Like, do you find work that you enjoy outside of being a musician or is, is the, to, to, to earn a living, to live, to have mm -hmm. a roof over your head? Like, is that really important to you to really do well in that? Like, I just wondering where you, where you sit with that because I don't often ask people that yeah yeah I've gone through phases because um like even though I could or I have at times lived off the cover gigs and things like that recording is expensive and I want want to be making original music and getting that out there and eventually living off original music not just cover gigs um so I would pick up other jobs and um my uh home city like it's not tiny but it's like everyone knows everyone so you know they know you and your family and they're like oh I've got a job like do you want this work or this, this work so there were times I was doing like 10 not 10 maybe like five different like side jobs and things some of them I loved some of them were just like oh yeah I'm saving saving to record or saving to tour or you know things like that um yeah so I did everything from like retail and fast food to um teaching kids to ride bicycles that was my favorite one nice um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, teaching guitar. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just I truly believe and I, I want to stand by this because I see it all like a lot, I guess, depending on the type of musician you are. I, I sometimes niche people down into their, their personality types. Um, mm -hmm. Because there's different types of musicians. There's the ones who are the real like, feelers like myself where I, I just grab a guitar start playing chords start singing it all just comes to me naturally there's no mm -hmm. real thought it just comes out yeah. then there's the ones who have to sit and write an entire song first then maybe create the music they mm -hmm. have to kind of analyze their rhyme schemes did that work should i put this in i've never been like that um and there's nothing wrong with that it's just a different type of personality it's like mm -hmm. It, they they approach it from a different way, but I think a large majority of the more creative types that are natural with their music, I think it's important when they find work outside of being a musician that there is some kind of creative piece to it. Um, mm -hmm. It's important to have, like you said, you like teaching them how to ride bikes, right? That that's pretty yeah. creative. I mean, it's it's a it's 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 creative in a sense where it's giving somebody you're you're te teaching someone how to do something that's really enjoyable. Um, yeah. you know, and the process of how to do it. So like, I can see why you would have liked that outside yeah. of, I don't know, working in a fast food restaurant or something or folding clothes all day or like, I don't know. I mean, maybe folding clothes would be okay because it's creative and you're like, maybe I can fold this a little nicer, but, <laughs> my, but my point is I really do think musicians in general should have some kind of creative outlet in their job that they do. It makes them happier. Mm -hmm. Um, we are kind of soul searchers. So when you write, do you find that you go deep with your writing or are, are you really trying to write hits? Like, how is your writing process? Um, I don't really think about it too much. It just, it'll be like an idea that comes to me and I just go with it. Um, some of them are like a hit 
ish sort of songs and then some of them like especially the last couple of years like I've been doing a lot of healing so they, they get a bit deep um mm-hmm. and it's been hard too because a lot of people have told me in the past they like my music because it's happy so then as I've been doing all this healing work I'm like this music is not happy how are they gonna take it right um but I think they'll like it or the right people will like it at least absolutely a lot of my music has never come across as happy as well it's very deep and serious yeah. stuff mm-hmm. and there there is something that happens within us as musicians as well where we think oh, i gotta write something happier it's like uh, everything sounds so depressing like but you have to yeah. realize i had a i had a someone on my on the podcast recently and that we her uh, episode will be coming out shortly but she said something that was really i took it i think every musician could take this in a really positive way and it was it was basically saying that because we were talking about emotions, we were talking about healing and being having the ability of feeling and how people struggle with that a lot and they internalize Mm -hmm. and it can create issues Mm -hmm. and musicians and artists who write music. We have a very powerful job in that we can create the energy in a song Mm -hmm. that someone can listen to and allow and it gives them allowance to feel what they've been holding down Mm -hmm. so so yeah everything could sound sad but the it's amazing what the impact can be because um you're expressing and you're then releasing the song and giving someone else courage or the ability to feel that what they may not want to feel so exactly i'm always saying like okay, you make a fun song, but whatever comes naturally is the best. So that's great. That's that's awesome. Have you created any singles or albums or anything? Are you just in the midst of doing that kind of thing? Um, So in the past, I've released um, two EPs and I think like four singles. Um, And then at the moment, I'm just working on the first new single. Um, And yeah, I have like four songs that I'm thinking will be an EP. Um, Maybe there'll be more. Um, not too sure yet, but yeah, that's what I'm working on. I come from the old school approach of like full albums. One of my albums mm-hmm. had 17 tracks on it. And if I look back now, I'm like, I I have like over 50 songs. I could have done like 50 singles. And it seems like we're in a time where people do singles first. Yeah. Um, I think our attention spans are a little different than they were oh, yeah. 15, 20 years ago, where oh, people yeah. hear one song, they're good with just the one song. They don't need to hear another mm-hmm. 12 songs so uh, is that kind of the where you stand with it just working on a song getting it really good so it's more of a single or do you want those album type things I would like to do an album even just for the sake of saying I have an album I don't know um I do I do love when artists release albums but I just don't at least at this point in time I don't feel like I have you know enough of an audience to justify the costs and everything of it um yeah yeah, it'd be much better to just focus on a song and try and get that out and then release another song. That's awesome. Yeah, and you can always take your singles later on and put it into an album. Exactly. Yeah, so many artists just release like heaps of singles and then they're like, I'm releasing an album and there's one new song on it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the other 12 are all their singles for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're writing, do you generally use an instrument? Do you do you use a piano or a guitar or do you just sit, do you just sit there and write it a cappella? Yeah, I 
like normally the lyrics come to me with a bit of a melody um and then i sit down with my guitar and i'm like okay what chords does this fit with and go from there nice nice let's jump over a little bit to some healing stuff because i know when i first heard from you you you've overcome some things or you're still i don't know if you're still dealing with it i don't know what still a little bit yeah yeah um and I, I wanted to kind of dig into that a little bit and get a little idea of what you've dealt with. You said that you started music when you were really young and, but you dealt with some health related complications. What age did that start? If you don't mind talking about that. Yeah. So um, the epilepsy, um, I think I started having the seizures around eight or nine and then I got diagnosed properly when I was 10. Um, so that, yeah, that's the same time I found singing. So maybe that's related. <laughs> Absolutely. So you started having epileptic episodes and around eight or nine. And did you, did it take a while to kind of get that under control or what, what's the storyline behind that? Yeah, I don't remember like how long we were going to the hospital and getting tests and things, but there was a few times um, that I would, yeah, um, have, a lot of hospital appointments and tests and things like that wires connected to my brain um to monitor the brain waves and things like that um and then yeah once they gave me the diagnosis they gave me medication um and they seemed to stop at the time thankfully um they a couple of years later they were like you've probably grown out of it by now you should try coming off the medication that did not work that did the complete opposite wow. i ended up having worse seizures um but they kept saying that they thought it was like stress related and you know puberty related and i would grow out of them and at the time i thought they were nuts i was like i'm not stressed but looking back <laughs> now like I've, yeah. I've pieced a lot of things together like um i since i've been in mexico I remembered getting sexually assaulted when I was five. Um, I had suppressed those memories so much that I didn't even remember, but I believe that that's what triggered the epilepsy. Like I suppressed the memories and emotions from that and then it built up to having seizures. Um, and then Touchwood, now that I'm like working through it all, I hopefully won't have any more seizures. I haven't had any for a while. So I was already like getting less stressed and better, you know, coping with everything. But yeah, now that I'm working through the root cause, hopefully. Yeah. Definitely so, so you had, you had a memory come back to you. Yeah. Wow. And you had suppressed it. Yeah. So you completely didn't remember it until you started, until it came back to you. Yeah, like I was, um, because I was so burnt out, I was like trying to relax more and things like that, trying different therapies and that here. And then um, I've always struggled to sleep since I was five, which is the age the assaults happen. So now that makes right. sense too. Um, and yeah, so I was trying to work on my sleep and I did this self-hypnosis one time. Um, and I remember this nightmare I used to have of a wolf coming down the hill to our house and I was hiding in the lounge and then um, my uncle's name came to mind at the time and I was like is this related is it not I don't want to read too much into it if it's not but also I, f I feel like I know where this is going right. um yeah and then later on through other techniques and things I started to remember the actual assaults wow and so you started to work through those moments to yeah to deal with them yeah i've and done then, like mm -hmm. 
breathwork and ayahuasca and like all sorts of things. And ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Yes. Ayahuasca. Tell me that again. <laughs> yeah, no, ayahuasca is I, I've uh I've spoke to people who've done it because again, I'm in the NDE uh spiritual type uh mm -hmm. realm of things and some of the experiences people have had are uh you know, and most of them say the same thing. I'll never do it again. Uh, it's generally something that I, I I remember when I discovered it, I thought to myself, the only chance I would ever do that is if I was on my last breath out, like I'm, uh, you know, maybe I'm like at the end of my rope and I'm like, well, let's see if this helps at all. Uh, that's yeah. about it. Cause it seems like an awful experience, but I'm not, I'm not taking it away. Uh, some people have absolutely uh, transformational experiences. I totally, and it, uh, there's a reason why it exists, right? Exactly. So yeah. I can understand why. And if anybody listening doesn't know what ayahuasca is, it's a, a, I would say it's like an ancient medicine drink is the way I would say it, where yeah. it uh, allows you to possibly reach other realms of your existence at the same time though your body goes through a complete emptying of uh everything <laughs> at times so does that make sense yeah. <laughs> i mean i don't know how else to say it but a lot of people actually have i mean you people would call it psychedelic type experiences yeah. or um but some of them are so intense that it's almost feels more real than here. So some people actually experience these experiences much like an NDE. So it, if it's, if it's taking us close to an NDE, it's probably, uh, you wouldn't want to do it every day. So I don't, I don't recommend it to anybody unless you really need it. Um, so, but, so you did some of that, you did a lot of healing through that and it's good to work through it. And obviously you're noticing a difference in your own health. So that's great. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a difference. Like my sleep is better, just like happier in general, like lighter. Yeah. Do you do a lot of your own healing on your own or do you go talk to someone? Like what is your if you you know, if you don't mind talking yeah, about yeah. that? Like no, no, definitely. Yeah, I um I do like having like a therapist of, of some sorts just for that extra accountability. Um I do like overanalyze my life so I can like kind of process stuff myself, but or at least like see what the problem is, but it's the release that's harder to get on your own. Um, but yeah, I don't like talk therapy. Um, I mean, I do talk through stuff, but I do like somatic therapy um, or I did water therapy that helped quite a bit too. Um, I did like vagal nerve therapy. I've just been like trying, trying all these different things just to see what's going to help best. See, I love that. And I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. I think yeah. a lot of people are told to do one thing and they try that and then it doesn't work and they feel like almost like, well, I'm doing this, but it's not working. Like you said, you don't mm -hmm. like talk therapy. I know people who love talk therapy, um, but then I know people who don't and it, yeah. everybody's a little bit different with how they approach things. Right. So yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, um, I had a therapist that I went to briefly uh, when I was home before I left and um I was like, yeah, I'm like so burned out. I don't know like what the problem is. And she was like, I don't know why you're here. Like you seem perfectly happy and healthy. <laughs> <It's> like, <what? laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's kind of like the old school approach at times. And I, I even, I brought this up in a recent uh, episode too, that I had major anxiety from age 17 to 21 and I remember going to my doctor at the time who was a really old school doctor and I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him. I'm like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling him everything. He goes, 
because you're a good looking guy. And I was like, oh, what? He goes, you're a good looking guy. You got everything going for you. You're just, you're young. It's like, you got nothing to worry about. Like, mm-hmm. you're fine. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. what? What is this? Like, it's just, yeah, it's like, the same thing that you had where the person said, oh, you yeah. seem to have it together. I'm like, no, I'm telling you, I'm really not good. Like, they, yeah. like I'm, I don't care what I look like. I don't care mm-hmm. that I'm young. I don't care if I'm a hundred. I can't function. Like it did nothing, nothing made sense to me at all when he said that. And it set me off on this really weird path of like, okay, he told me that I'm young and I can live my life and I've got all these good, good things going for me. So what is wrong with me? It actually made me feel like worse. It made me feel like then yeah. I'm not appreciative of what I have. Up, like, right. Yeah. Like this is just, funny. yeah, I just want attention apparently. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, Hey, something's not right. So uh, it took me a while until I finally found the right people to talk to and counselors and things like that to really mm-hmm. start to work through what was going on. Yeah. Um. So I'm, I'm a big believer in talking to someone if you need to, mm-hmm. I think it's really important. So, and reducing the amount of stress you have in your life because it does, lead to the ailments we have um i'm gonna ask you a a question about the epilepsy if you don't mind Mm -hmm. yeah i'm assuming you've had a number of occurrences with seizures then if Mm -hmm. you right have you had any like odd experiences during those moments or do you usually just black out or what is the experience like yeah so um, initially, they started off just in my sleep, which was weird. Um, and I, I wouldn't really know. Sometimes I would wake up afterwards and be like, did I have a seizure? Did I not? Um, obviously, it was like my parents would hear me and they would be like, oh, shit. What? Initially, they were like, what is going on? Once I got the diagnosis, they were like, oh, shit, it's a seizure. Um, and then uh, after they tried to take me off the medication that first time, um, I had some in class. <laughs> I had, like they started getting worse I would happen during the day um there was one um yeah like the they were still even though I was having them during the day they were still minor enough that I was like half aware of what was going on and I would feel it coming up too so mm-hmm. as soon as I would get that feeling I would like find something to hold myself against or sit down or um yeah. whatever and I would just yeah go blank and like dribble <laughs> make weird noises <laughs> Um, sometimes I did manage, like, the ones I had in class, I would still somehow be able to walk myself out of class while having the seizure, because I guess I started before the seizure started, and I was just on autopilot, I guess. I don't know how that quite works. Um, and then, uh, I didn't have any, what was it, like, 2016, I think, um, was I think the last one I had back home and then not last year but the year before now um, when I not long got to Mexico and was starting to like work through things and remember things I did a breathwork ceremony and they say don't do breathwork if you have epilepsy but I was like they're minor enough I haven't had them for years I'll be fine and then it was just after I had remembered the wolf nightmare and sometimes if you do breathwork it can be used kind of like a psychedelic in the sense that you've Mm -hmm. got like I think dormant DMT in your brain. And if you do the breathing properly, you can access that and get the visualizations. 
and I had been doing breath work and I hadn't had any visualizations, but this one time I got deep enough and I saw the wolf and I was like, who are you? And then as soon as he went to reveal himself, I had a seizure then. Um, so that that's like the weirdest one, um, I guess, kind of. Um, and when I came to after that one, like I was like shaking and banging around, like we were lying down. I was like, banging up my hands on the gravel. and um, So that was like the most movement I think I've, had during one um but yeah they've all been different they've all been different you said you see a wolf like is that just like it's like an imaginary feeling of like a dreamlike type thing you see or so yeah so that was just a nightmare that i used to have quite a lot when i was yeah i don't know like eight nine ten um and yeah it would always just come down the hill to our house and i would be hiding in the lounge and some of the memories i was hiding in the cabinet in the lounge so um i like i saw my uncle who was the um person that assaulted me as as this wolf and that was how even though i had forgotten the gist of the memories like that's how it remained with me yeah. And the whole going back to being a musician, the whole the whole idea that you're a musician who's also dealt with epilepsy through your life and things like that. It's another correlation I see with a lot of mu musicians where, again, we're sensitive souls and a lot mm -hmm. of us have different ailments. It could be all these different things, anxiety, depression. It could be an actual physical ailment. It could be uh, like epilepsy. It could be like what I've dealt with with skin. And when I stress, my body tells me. When you stress, your body tells you stress is, is huge. And, you know, one, uh, one piece of advice I, I really like to, to give to people because some people get these ailments and they get so down on themselves about it. Mm -hmm. But I look at it like this, when you have an ailment that shows up during high amounts of stress, thank your body. Yes. I know that sounds ridiculous, but say to yourself, thank you for showing me that I need to clean something up. Thank you for mm -hmm. showing up for me to show me because I think there's a lot of people in this world that don't have those things and they have a massive heart attack out of nowhere mm -hmm. and it, and they, there is no coming back or, um, you know what I mean? Like, I think some yeah, people, definitely. they, they, they suppress so much mm -hmm. and then they don't even get the warning signs. So I think it's, I think it's important to just appreciate what your body's doing and say, okay, what is it that I need to do to fix this? You know, yeah. do you find diet or anything helps you or is that not really related to epilepsy? Um, I probably never stuck at it long enough to see if it makes a proper difference. <laughs> um, nice. I, I mean, like, most people I do feel better the healthier I'm eating. Um, but as far as the seizures go, I don't think it um, made a difference too much, at least. Um, although apparently the keto diet is actually good for epilepsy. Um, oh, wow. I, can't, I can't remember the reasoning behind that, but um, I was considering trying it when the seizures were bad um, because of that. So now that you're feeling a lot better and you're kind of working through your own healing and all this stuff and you're doing your music, what's next for you with your music? What is your, what's your plans going forward? Yeah. Music? So I, I kind of, I want to learn to produce. There is a lot of blocks coming up for me as I keep trying to learn that. So I think for now I'm like casually working on that and still finding other people to produce for me um, just until I do work through those blocks and feel more comfortable um and yeah so i have a song it's meant to be coming out 
this week, but I've had delays with the producers I've been working with. So uh, hopefully, I don't know, maybe by the end of the month, maybe a little bit into next month, um, I have a song that will be coming out. It's, um, I met someone here actually. He is about to start this Saturday walking barefoot um, the length of the USA to raise awareness for men's mental health. And wow. just hearing him talk about the story and everything, I was like, you need a song. <laughs> like he's, you know, trying to build awareness online and everything. You need a song to go with it. Um, and I'd never written like that before. It's always like whatever comes out of me, but I've never sat down and gone, this is what I want to write about. So I wasn't sure it would work, but I really love um, the song that I came up with. It's called Believe in You. Um, and yeah, so he's heard it, he loves it. Um, as soon as I get a production, a proper produced version that I'm happy with, I will be releasing that. Um, he, yeah, he starts uh, this Saturday, I think, yeah, the 17th, yes. Wow. Um, starts that walk. Um, what's, what's, what's his name? Anton, I don't want to try and pronounce his surname because I'll butcher it, but his Instagram handle is, uh, I believe, the Barefoot Dutchman. Um, the Barefoot yeah, Dutchman? Yes. I can double check that and send it through to you if it's wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's absolutely. Just uh, um, that'd be interesting to look up. And you're, yeah, and he's, he's, he's walking across America. Yes. And how, yeah, how long is that going to take? He said six to eight months. It depends wow. on. Well, like you have lots of time to get the song out then. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, we might do a few versions. We'll start with acoustic, build up to a full, full right. band. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. Wow, that's um, that's that's remarkable. Yeah, he did it um, in Australia a few years ago. He did a shorter version, and he broke the world record for it. So he's about to hopefully break his own world record um, wow. doing this. Um, but yeah, he's amazing. Well, yeah, at least he's starting as we're going into more of spring weather here because we exactly. right now we've got snow on the way even today. So th this is hopefully our last little uh, hurrah of, of snow hitting. <laughs> so it's just been the weather here. But um, wow, that's that's really interesting. So it's called Believe in You. Yes. And you don't know when it's going to release, but um, <laughs> if terrible. people are looking um, up Bronwyn, they can they can kind of keep an eye on your socials. Yes, yeah. Um, at Simply Bronwyn um, is my handles on most things. I think on YouTube it's Simply Bronwyn Music because um, Simply Bronwyn was already taken. Um, but simplybronwyn.com is my website as well. It, everything's always on there. Simply Bronwyn. Um, yeah, and then I have a few other healing type songs that I'm working towards an EP for, or maybe another single or two first. Haven't decided. Right. I check out Texas as well. So some friends that have a band there have invited me to go see what it's like. I had been hoping to move to Nashville, but then Texas keeps popping up. So we'll go oh, wow. see see what I'm meant to find out there first. Sure. So you're going to Texas soon? Yeah, the 22nd next oh, week. Wow. Okay. And are you staying there for a while? Yeah, I'm just going on um, an Easter at the moment. So I think I booked my return ticket for like 70 odd days um, okay. just to get a feel. Um, I had previously spoken to immigration lawyers and they said I have enough musical achievements to get the music visa. I just need the work offers um, if I want to get it properly. So hopefully while I'm there, I can talk to some of the venues my friends play at and maybe they'll um, offer me some work to help me get that. 
Oh, that's great. That's perfect. I wanted to dive in. I didn't mean to, I almost cut you off there before. I, I wanted to dive in and ask you a little bit about this healing music you're talking about. What is, what is that? It's just, you know, um, yeah, like I said earlier, all my pre or most of my previous music was like super happy, super bubbly. I'm, you know, chasing my dreams sort of thing. Uh, like my main song is called Wish Me Luck and it was about the first time I went on tour and then traveled the world and things like that. Um, so this is like sadder. This is from everything I've worked through over the last year and a half or so. Um, so yeah, that's why I call it my healing music. And actually I've started tuning my guitar to 528 hertz. Um, so it's extra healing. <laughs> oh, wow. That's interesting too. I've never done that. I think in general, my music is more on the healing side, but I do, I do write songs that do some hits and stuff and, and things like that. And, you know, just to kind of, but I, you never know what song's going to, going to be a hit. You never know. Exactly. Like, like the, yeah. the, the rebels and warriors song. I had a song on the Olympics the one time and, and I would, I felt something about it, but I, it was almost like it, it kind of came last to the help. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't really a big deal to me and for that one to hit. And that's why, again, it's important to just kind of feel what comes to you and because mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to um, affect other people. Like it's exactly you've got to write from the natural place of your heart more than I, I believe mm -hmm. that at least. I mean, yeah. I'm no, I'm no Taylor Swift right now. You know, I'm not, I'm not selling out uh, huge stadiums and stuff, but I would say that it's just, it's important to be like true to you. Like that's really mm -hmm. important. Definitely. You you've done tours then before. Did you do all that yourself or did you have someone working for you to, to tour? Yeah, no, I just did that myself um, just around New Zealand, but um, that was still pretty cool. Um, yeah. And then I did like a music competition in LA one year. So there was a team of us from New Zealand that went, we actually shot a music video for wish me luck while we were there. It was like the team's theme song. Wow. Um, which was pretty cool. And then I went to the Tamworth Country Music Festival in Australia and now here in Mexico, like that song is just, it follows me everywhere. That's cool. That's yeah. great about festivals. And when you did the tour, did you just call ahead and book? Like, this is where I'm going to yeah. go. This is the route I'm going to go. Yeah. It's a lot of work to do that too, right? Like you got to, you got to find the people who are wanting artists. You got to, and you got to look at the direction you're going, got to make sure you got enough time mm -hmm. to get to each place. Uh, and on top of it, depending on your obligations and your life, you got to leave and get on the road. Right. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I really have a strong appreciation for everybody that's done that. I've never really done a full out tour myself, believe it or not. Um, just never wasn't worked in my cards. Like it just always seemed like a very complicated process, but yeah. 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 Well, that was actually like how the song came about. Cause I had, I wanted to go on tour and I had a date in mind and I kept putting it off. Cause I was like, this is, this is complicated. I can't do this. Um, and then one day I just sat down and I wrote this song and then I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go book it now. And then, yeah, so I booked um, a few weeks initially and I was like, that's enough. I'll, I quit my job, went on the road and just kept booking as I was going and got wow. very lucky. Um, I was like singing and couch surfing um, around the country. Sometimes I'd sleep in the car, just made it work. That's pretty, that's pretty wild. But you, like, even you talking about it, you light up, like it must've yeah. been a really good experience. And a mm -hmm. lot of people are scared of that. They're like, how am I going to eat? Like, what am I going right. to do? Right. Like they're not, they're not prepared for that, but. I mean, you know, I definitely ate more McDonald's than I would care to admit. Yeah, um, no doubt. I was just going to, that's the, yeah. I just saw the M in my head. I thought you probably had a lot of McDonald's just uh, yeah. on the road, right. Getting through it and surviving. So 
but that's that's really neat and uh and so you'd go and do your song you said you don't have a huge catalog of songs but did you do covers as well like did you kind of mix yes. it up and yeah yeah, yeah. people yeah. love that right because then it's stuff they're familiar with as well right exactly yeah so wow that's interesting um so just to go back everybody can find you at is it simply yeah simplybronwin.com okay and that's all Bronwyn your social handles as well Yes, at Simply Bromwyn, and then uh, YouTube is Simply Bromwyn Music. Great. And again, we're to look out for Believe in You. That's the yep. next single that you're coming out with. The last question I ask everybody, uh, it doesn't matter who I'm talking to on this on this podcast, but I always ask somebody a very everybody a very deep question. And who? you're looking at your current, yeah, look at your current life, the things you've done, the things you're going to be doing in the future and all these different things. You can get spiritual with this answer or not spiritual with the answer. But the question I always ask everybody is why you think you're here? Like, why are we here as a species, like humans? Like, what are we doing here? Damn. Um, to experience everything, the good, the bad, like feel, feel all the emotions yeah to experience exactly yeah that would be the thing that would come to you i think so yeah 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 the good and the bad i like how you said it like that didn't you just say that you said the good and yeah. the bad yeah because you know just to leave it with one last thing is that if you look at the bad things that's happening in your life or has happened right mm -hmm. it's 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 hard to see at the time but it shapes who you are definitely Oh my gosh, I would be a completely different person if I hadn't gone through all that crap right. when I was younger. And yeah. it makes the good times that much better. Absolutely. It makes you appreciate it, right? Exactly. So, but so I want to say thanks. Thanks for coming on the uh the show today. Thanks for it was having really, me. really an awesome talk. It went in like twelve different directions. And <laughs> uh that's the way I like it, just to kind of get exactly. to know a little bit about you. And again, yeah. I would encourage all my followers to uh, check out Bronwyn online and check out her music. And also just want to say thanks to everybody who subscribed. Please make sure you're sharing and liking and subscribing so that we can keep reaching more people with inspiring stories. So thanks again. Thanks for having me. So